0: Well, good morning. Good morning. we well, listening to Pastor Bob's introduction. It made me think of how when your parents give you the car keys for the first time, how much more co- or careful you are with a car than the second time they give you the car keys. So we'll have to ask him when he gets back if it was still a, a good decision to give me the car keys. I'm kidding. All right, well, good morning, and we're glad that you're here worshiping with us. And for those of you online, I want to welcome you. Uh, we're so glad that you're taking part today in, in our worship service. I'd like to thank TJ and all the worship team. Could we just give them a round of applause? They've been doing a great job, haven't they? It's great to celebrate baptisms. It's always exciting to see that and just see how God is working in the hearts of the people. We had a baptism first service, and so it is just, we have a lot to celebrate this morning, don't we? Well, we're going to go ahead and get started. I'm going to start off with a little saying. Many of you guys are pretty familiar with it. If you want to say it with me, you can. I might get a word wrong, so I might mess you up, but I'll try. But it goes like this, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt. How many of you know that saying? Pretty much everybody, right? We, we, we've said it a lot over the years, but do we actually believe it? No, we, we don't. We have good intentions behind it. We really do. We want to believe that the words that we say and the words of others that they don't have as much weight as they really do, that they don't have the impact to, to hurt us. So when we think about that saying, really, we only believe half of it, and it's the sticks and stones can break our bones parts, Because we know from our own experience, maybe in your own life, maybe someone, a complete stranger, maybe someone close to you, they've said something that is cut deep. It's left a wound, and it hasn't healed up. You know, right now in our society and in our culture, words are being thrown around all over the place, aren't they? Without much regard. Most people are speaking in a way that they don't really care whether it inflicts pain or hurt or whether it creates division. It's the way of the world. They just want to get their voice heard. They want to make sure whatever they say gets out there. There's not a lot of self-control in that, is there? I mean, could you imagine a world with self-control? Could you imagine a world where people didn't say everything that came to their mind? I want to live there. Anybody else? That'd be great. But that's not the case. The world says whatever it wants, however it wants. But we know as believers, that's not how we're called to speak. There's different expectations for us as followers of Jesus. We are supposed to not only look different to the rest of the world, but sound different. I was doing a little bit of research, and I found a few different studies, and so the numbers vary a little bit. But it said on average, the average person says about 15,000 words every single day. Some of you are thinking, I don't get anywhere near that. Don't worry, there are plenty of people in the world that make up the difference for you. You might know some of them. They raise the average up to 15,000 for us. But when we think about that number, 15,000, that's a lot of words every day, isn't it? But when we think about it in the context of all of us together as followers and believers of Jesus, it's even more powerful. You see, if we were to take that 15,000 average and multiply it out among all of you that are here today, we would roughly speak probably somewhere between 7 and 9 million words every single day. That's a lot of words, isn't it? Can you imagine the impact of those words, though? If we choose to speak the way of the world and it's full of anger and frustration, and we just spout out whatever we want to say, those words could have a pretty negative impact, couldn't they? But if we choose to speak the way that Christ has called us to speak, if we're speaking as a reflection of Jesus, could you imagine the power of those 7 to 9 million words from all of us and the impact that we could have in our families, in the community, in the world around us? You see, there's a lot of power in words. Words aren't just words. No matter what we think, there is always something to those words. There always is power behind them. So would you stand with me out of respect for God's word? As we read from Luke chapter 6, verse 43 through 45. Now this is Jesus speaking. These are his words. So we always need to listen a little more attentively when we hear his words. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful for your word today. We are thankful that we get to hear your words, Jesus. We pray that they will resonate deep down inside of us, that we will be challenged to hear from your spirit and to be changed deep in our heart so that we may look different and sound different to the rest of the world when we leave here today. It's in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I really want to focus in on the last line of what Jesus said there. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Say it again. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Right there, Jesus is telling us, hey, what you say, they're not just words. No matter how much you want to separate them out. No, your words are tied to what's in your heart. When you open your mouth, what flows out is really what's in your heart. Makes me stop this morning. Might do the same thing for you, and ponder a little bit. How have I spoken to my family this weekend? How did I speak to my coworkers this past week? How have I been speaking to my neighbors when I see them out in the evenings? How have I been speaking to the outside world the last year or two? In the midst of chaos and frustration, there's so much going on. You see. Those are not just words that have come from your mouth. Jesus tells us whatever words have came from your mouth, it's actually a reflection of what's inside your heart. There's a big difference there. Words do matter, don't they? So we have to take a look and we have to figure out, well, what does it mean when Jesus says our heart? Well, first, it's not the heart that's just beating right now. It's not the heart that Jesus is talking about. He's talking about the spiritual heart. He's talking about our innermost being, who we are at the core, that's the heart that God's referencing. And so as believers we have to ask ourselves the question that if we are to follow Jesus, if we want to be his reflection, what should be in our heart so that when we open our mouths there is an outpouring of whatever Jesus wants inside the heart and that's what then comes out to the rest of the world. I think a good place to start is looking at Romans 10, 9. We go back to the beginning when we accept Jesus, right? Many of you know this verse, this passage, should be familiar to most of us. For if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. You see, what I think is so important about this verse is God is showing us that it's not just about the words, See, he doesn't say, if you declare with your mouth that you will be saved. He tells us we also have to believe it in our heart. Because, see, our words and our heart, they go together. Because what comes out of our mouth, again, has to come from our heart. To declare that Jesus is Lord has to come from our heart. That's an important piece to understand. Now, I think it's important, too, for me just to take a moment and tell you, if you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior... Maybe you've been wondering how. Someone told you about Jesus, and you want to follow him, but you just haven't made that choice. You don't know how. This passage, this tells us how to follow Jesus, how to surrender our heart. You see, it's not a waiting list. It's not an application process. You don't have to change your life and get things right before you come to God. No. No, you can do it right now. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. But it's a combination of your words and your heart. Because you can say whatever you want to say. But at the end of the day, the true character of your heart, what really is inside of there, will eventually shine through. It will come out no matter what words you try to cover it with. Eventually, your heart will shine through. So let's say you just prayed that prayer. Or maybe you prayed it this last year or five years ago or 20 years ago. Whenever you prayed that prayer, what happened to you as a believer? Well, we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, where Paul is talking about how when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that the Spirit of God comes upon us, marks us with the seal of our inheritance, right? Promises us what's to come. But I want to point something out. Where does Paul say The Spirit of God resides. He says it's in our heart. Did you catch that? God sends His Spirit to dwell in our heart. Now think about this for a second. I think it's really easy for us to kind of just gloss over sometimes as believers. We get so used to some of the truths that we don't stop and just really be in awe of what God is telling us. But when we believe in Jesus Christ and we accept Him... God himself, in the form of the Holy Spirit, comes and dwells inside of us. The creator of the heavens and the earth is inside of you. That should blow us away every time we think about that. God, in the form of the Holy Spirit, is dwelling inside each and every one of you. And don't you think that if we woke up every day believing that, Woke up acknowledging that the Holy Spirit is in us. Don't you think we would live a little differently? Don't you think we'd maybe change some of our lifestyle choices? Don't you think that maybe, just maybe, we would change our speech? I think so. Well, let's tie a couple things together here this morning. Jesus talks about in Luke how we are called to bear fruit, right? We'll be, re- be recognized by the fruit in which we bear. We also have been talking about how it's the Holy Spirit that dwells in our heart. Do you remember in Galatians 5, at the end of Galatians 5, we see the fruit of the Spirit? Do you see the connection there? We see that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit that we're called to bear. You see, if we're to bear fruit... And when we open our mouth, whatever is inside of our heart is what comes out. We know that it's the Holy Spirit inside of our heart. And that should be the outpouring, the overflowing that comes out through our speech. Every time we open our mouth, there should be fruit coming from it because it's the Holy Spirit that is in our heart. So when we speak, we should speak with kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control, The fruit of the Spirit should be evident in our speech with everybody. You know, right now, we look around the world, and it's easy for us to say that the world is getting darker around us. And that when it gets darker, the light of Christ shines even brighter. I believe that. But don't forget that that light that is shining is the light that Jesus wants to shine in and through us. And so in a world where the culture and society, what is spoken, is getting uglier every single day, it's getting darker every single day, we have the opportunity to be the light through our speech. We have the opportunity to sound different. You know, anymore when I hear some of the speech of the world, and whether it's on TV or whether it's out and about, and and I hear someone and they're talking maybe in a way where it's not exhibiting patience and kindness and they're frustrated and they're angry. They're not exhibiting self-control. I'll be honest, it it hardly even impacts me anymore. I hardly notice it. It's probably not a good thing, but when I do, it, it does hurt my heart, but it's become so normal. That's the normal speech out in the world, isn't it? Everywhere you look, the speech reflects the world, the frustrations and the angers, and the disappointments but you know what does catch my attention in speech when I'm at the grocery store or a news story comes on or I read something and someone is speaking in a way that you can tell there is patience there is kindness and gentleness and goodness coming from their voice and, and I recognize it because I know that it's not just words it's something coming from within them they are being a light in that moment And it stops me. And I think it stops many of us when we hear people talking that way. We're drawn to it. We want to hear more because we recognize it. And it's not part of the world. And all of a sudden, people in the world hear it and they go, what what, what is this that you're talking about? I haven't heard someone talk like that before. All I hear is the anger and the frustration. But why are you so kind? Why are you so gentle? I want to hear more. Tell me. I want to listen to you. That's the impact we have when we bear fruit in our speech. People will listen to us. They will hear what you have to say as you reflect Christ. Unfortunately, sometimes our intentions are really good, but but we fall short in that, don't we? I can go online and maybe I read a news story and I see the comments at the bottom of the article or or possibly even a, a Facebook conversation going on between people. And what I see are good intentions in the beginning because people start off and they're talking about the truth and they're standing up for something because of their faith in Jesus Christ. I'm a believer and we're, we're telling the world, which is great. But then I notice something. Partway through the conversation, they stop bearing the fruit. And the conversation starts to blend together. And no longer can I tell the difference between the person that is the believer and the person who is the unbeliever because we've started speaking the way of the world. Our conversation starts getting impatient and frustrated, and we stop speaking to them in the way that we had hoped to and intended to as a believer, and now we just reflect the rest of the world. And we wonder why people aren't listening to us. When we sound like the world, we blend in with the world. But that's not what we're called to do. We're called to speak differently so that we can stand out in the world so our speech draws attention to who God is and the fruit in our life now I know you're thinking okay I would love to exhibit patience in my conversation I would love to be able to be kind I would love to be able to exhibit self-control but it's hard I'm just not able to do that not all the time sometimes I can sometimes I can't I know it's hard We all struggle with it, don't we? We all wrestle with it. And we see that. We see that in our own lives, but we also see it in God's Word because in Galatians, before we get into the fruit of the Spirit that we just talked about, we see Paul talking about how the flesh and the Spirit are in conflict with one another. There's this tension that takes place. Why is that? It's because we're still drawn to desires of the flesh at times, aren't we? See, my flesh in and of itself, it's not generally patient. It's not generally kind. It's not very good at exhibiting self-control. No, my flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, is what Paul says. It's hard. But Paul talks about that we have the opportunity to push the desires of the flesh aside and focus in on the Spirit. And why is that so important? Because we need to focus in on the Spirit because the fruit that comes from the Spirit is something we can't produce on our own. No matter how hard I try to produce patience or kindness or whatever fruit it is, I can't produce it on my own. God tells us it is the fruit of His Spirit. And so we are called in that passage to walk with the Spirit or walk by the Spirit. That's our role in it. It's not just to sit back and be passive. No, we walk with Spirit the Spirit. The Spirit is what guides us away from the desires of the flesh. And so what is it that is our role when we walk by the Spirit? Well, we we should first be acknowledging that the Spirit dwells inside of us. We should be spending time with God and spending time in prayer. And when we acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is in us, we should be asking the Spirit to do a work in our heart, to bear fruit in our lives. And then we should also be asking the Spirit to speak to us in a way that we can hear it. I don't know about you, but I really wish the Holy Spirit spoke a lot louder sometimes. I wish that it was like flashing lights and billboards and text messages and emails. It'd be a whole lot easier for me to recognize. Wouldn't it for you? Yeah. But I've known in my own life, what I've noticed is usually the voice of the Holy Spirit comes across And just a gentle whisper deep in my heart. And if that's the case, that's why it's even more important for us to be walking by the Spirit and with the Spirit. Because if we're not focusing in on what the Spirit has to say, we will miss it. We will miss it and then we will give in to the desires of our flesh. We will end up, those are the times where we end up speaking in a way that we wish we wouldn't have. But when we walk by the Spirit and we listen closely for the Holy Spirit in our life and we hear the Holy Spirit, and then we have the courage and the boldness to follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit, we have a chance to be radically different than the world, don't we? Now, I know some of you are thinking, okay, I like that. I want to be able to speak with patience and kindness. I want to live by the spirit. I want that for my life. I want that in my family. I want my family to hear something different from me. I want my coworkers and my friends, those people in my life who I care about. I want them. I want them to see something and hear something different in me. I want to bear fruit in those situations. But Justin, are you telling me what about the other people that I'm struggling with right now? What about those people out in the world that I just can't seem to agree with? Have you seen what they say and what they're doing right now out in the world? I just can't get there. I can't. And and you're telling me that I'm supposed to bear fruit in those conversations too? With everybody? You know the answer to that question already, don't you? The answer is yes. We are called to bear fruit no matter who it is that we're talking with. No matter what they think, no matter what they say, no matter what they believe, us bearing fruit isn't dependent on everyone else. Us bearing fruit is dependent on our walk with Christ and the impact that the Holy Spirit has in us. I see all the challenges. I see what people are saying and doing right now. It's hard. It's hard to want to bear fruit in those conversations. But we are called to sound different. I think that we'd even call some of these people maybe that we're struggling with in some of these hot topics in society or in church world. We may even consider them and call them opponents. Well, right now, I want to go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And I'm going to read from it. I want to read it. We're going to begin in verse 22 and we'll end. We'll read through the end of chapter 2 and stop at uh, chapter 3. But let's see what Paul says us in tells us in regards to our opponents, to those that don't see things the way we see them. Paul says this, he says, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone able to teach not resentful opponents listen opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that god will grant them repentance leading them to a knowledge of truth and they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will goes on into chapter 3 And we see so many things happening where he says, you will see these things happen in the end times. A lot of behaviors and sins. A lot of things that we are seeing in today's world right now. That's some of where the conflict come from. We see those things and we're not sure how to respond or speak into it. We know it's not right. We know we want to speak truth, but we struggle in the approach. What I want to point out in Paul's writing here are a few things. And the first is, he talks about avoiding stupid and foolish arguments. Don't you wish we did a better job of that? For some reason, we always find ourselves in these little uh, little arguments. But they're stupid and they're foolish, and we find them in our, in our own household, in our families, where we argue over things that don't even matter. We find it in the church. There are times that as a people, even in this body, we get into arguments and disagreements over things that just don't matter. And Paul's saying, avoid those stupid and foolish arguments. It takes away from the main thing. And when we get into those stupid and foolish arguments with those who aren't believers and part of the outside world, all it does is push them away. You see, those stupid and foolish arguments, they don't do anything to bring us together and unite us. All it does is creates division, it pushes people away and builds up walls because we spend all of our time arguing over things that don't matter, so we lose the voice on the things that do. Paul goes on and he's talking about our opponents, again, some of those people that we would really struggle with right now. Maybe you're struggling with someone and you would call them your opponent because of what they believe or think. Well, do you notice what Paul says about how we're supposed to instruct them? With gentleness. Now, I do want to point out that Paul does remind us and tell us that it's okay to instruct people. This isn't taking away our ability to speak truth or to be bold or courageous in the moment. No, we can still be bold and we can speak with a boldness and a courage, but we can do so while still bearing the fruit I can be bold and I can be loving. I can be courageous and still be kind. That's what we are called to do. That's how we're called to speak up and stand up. It's okay to speak the truth, but do it in a way that it bears the fruit. But we go back and we look at Paul's words and he says, gently instruct them. He says, gently instruct them, not because he's trying to change their mind on an opinion or opinion on an issue. No, he says, let's gently instruct our opponents in hopes that we can lead them to repentance. Repentance is a matter of the heart, isn't it? See, God wants us to gently instruct our opponents so that we can hopefully lead them to a place of repentance where they will surrender their heart. They will give their life to Christ. And we know when people give their heart up to God, through that act of repentance, then it leads on, as Paul says, to them understanding some of the truth and getting them out of the traps of the devil. It's not about trying to change their mind on the issue. God wants to change their heart first. Think about your own life in many ways. Before you became a believer, you probably had all sorts of thoughts and opinions on different issues. Once you gave your life to Christ and and God started doing that work in your heart through the Holy Spirit, it probably changed some of your views on topics, didn't it? In fact, you probably are continuing to evolve in some of your thoughts and your opinions on different situations because God continues to work on your heart and continues to show you the truth that is behind it. But we have to remember when we come to our opponents, and, and it's hard to gently instruct them don't forget how God has been with you and me. I'm thankful that he focused on my heart first and wanted me to repent and then has been showing me his truths and revealing so much to me. I'm thankful for his patience in my life. Anyone else thankful for the patience God has shown you in your life? When you think about how God has been patient to you and he has gently instructed you, even in the midst of everything that I do each and every day, his faithfulness has continued. And when I think about that, it puts me in a place of humility where it's a lot easier for me to gently instruct others or want to bear fruit when I realize how God has been with me. I think Paul writes chapter 2 and 3 in that order for a specific reason. I think God uses it. See, he puts in chapter 3 all of the things, all of the sin, all of the issues that we really struggle with in today's culture that we want to speak out on. But he gets us to commit, before getting to some of those issues, he gets us to commit to gently instructing them so that we can lead people to repentance. Because all of us, that's that's our desire as believers, right? We want people to come to know Christ. And so we get on board in chapter 2 and we say, yes, I'm going to be gentle in how I instruct. And then all of a sudden we see some of the examples that Paul gives us in what people do. And all of a sudden it gets a lot harder. (laughs) But we already committed in chapter 2 to gently instructing people. Because God wants to change their heart. And that's what we should be focused on too. James chapter 3. If we go look at that, James speaks a whole lot about our words and our tongue and our speech. And at one point he says, Out of our mouth we praise God and out of the same mouth we curse humans that are made in his likeness. You see, James is kind of reminding us the same thing that Paul's talking about here. Paul's telling us that God is focused on the heart change because he wants people to be repentive and come to him. And James is telling us that we have to be careful how we speak to people because they too are made in the image of God. God wants his creation. He wants everyone to come to know him. Everyone is his creation. Everyone he loves and desires that relationship for and with. And so we have the opportunity through our words to bear fruit and draw people in or we can speak the way of the world and push people away. James also talks about how the, ta- or the tongue has never been tamed. We're going to fall short at times, aren't we, in our speech? It just, it's going to happen. He talks about how one spark can create a whole forest fire and bring about so much destruction So much death, so much pain. Sometimes our words can be like that too, can't they? We can say something, not realizing it was just a spark, but it starts to burn and it causes so many problems. It's those times where we need to humble ourselves and remember, we can also try to put the fire out that we started. We can do that by asking for forgiveness. It's not just asking about forgiveness to God either. I think we're good about going to our own quiet place and and going before God. It's interesting that we're more willing sometimes to go to God, the creator of everything, who's all-powerful, and ask for forgiveness from him. But we struggle to go to our brother or sister that we've offended. You see, we should be talking to each other. And I should be coming over and talking to Pastor Aaron and saying, Pastor Aaron, I'm sorry for the way I talked to you this week. Will you please forgive me? Yes, he wasn't sure. I said some things that were just... No, but through that, through that forgiveness, through Pastor Aaron, our relationship is restored. There is healing that is brought there because God dwelling in him in the form of the Spirit and in me, we're back in relation. That's a good thing. It brings healing to some of those words I shared earlier in the week. It also helps guard our heart Because Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart because all things flow from it. When we ask for forgiveness, and I get right with Pastor Aaron, I'm also getting right with God because forgiveness and repentance is something that we are called to do as followers of Jesus. That repentance, that forgiveness, it helps put out some of the fires. Don't forget to humble yourselves. Humble yourselves when you speak from the flesh instead of from the spirit. As we begin to wrap up, I want to close with this idea, and it's this. When you get hired by a company, or when you work for a company, usually they give you a shirt, right? Maybe a uniform and a name badge. But more than that comes a set of expectations. Expectations for how you're supposed to interact with your coworkers, expectations for how you're supposed to interact with your customers in the outside world. They do this because they don't want you to be reflecting your values or your ideas. They want you to reflect the values and the purpose and the mission, the integrity, the character, everything that represents that company. They want you to represent that to their customers and to the world. It's the same thing for us as believers and followers of Jesus Christ. When we give our life to Christ and the Holy Spirit now comes and dwells within us, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, that's like getting the company shirt. We are now followers of Jesus. And there are expectations that come along with that. He expects us to interact and talk with each other the way he wants us to. He wants us to be a representation, to interact, and to speak to those outside of these walls His way. When He gives us that shirt, when we have the Holy Spirit, it's His expectations now. We should be an example. We should be an outpouring of His character, His identity, His purpose, His vision, His mission. We're part of His company, and that's what we should be portraying to everyone around us. Now, I know sometimes with a company shirt, it's easy to take it off, right? You go on vacation for two weeks, you take it off, and you can just be you on that vacation or wherever you go. I want to remind you that as a follower of Jesus, we always are a reflection of Jesus. There is no taking off the shirt. There is no taking off the representation. So whether it's at lunch today whether it's getting your groceries this week or at work, whether it is a vacation far off, wherever you are, you are called to bear fruit. You are called to be a representation of Jesus and do it his way based off of his expectations, not your own And see, that's what we're talking about today with our speech. We have to ask ourselves and really evaluate in our speech with one another in the world, what is the motive of our heart? Because if everything that comes from our mouth does have meaning and it is an outpouring of what's inside of our heart, what's in our heart? Are we following the ways of our flesh? It won't end up real well for us, will it? Or are we following the ways of the Spirit and we have an opportunity to impact so many people and to be the light that Jesus has called us to be? We talked about the seven or nine million words that we would say as a group. Those words have power. Your words have meaning if they are used and leveraged in the right way. The way of the Spirit. The way in which they will bear fruit when you open the your mouth because at the end of the day we want to be a light in this dark world don't we we want to stand for Jesus we want to stand for the truth we want to be bold we want to be courageous but we want to do it God's way we don't want to do it our own way we need to speak and act and love and bear fruit God's way And when we do, we bear that fruit that Jesus is talking about and we will be recognized. We're recognized by the fruit we bear, he says. We will be recognized as one of his disciples and one of his followers. There's no greater compliment than that. So let's be bold. Let's be courageous, but let's do it in a way that bears fruit. Would you pray with me?